0: afternoon, good evening, good morning, good whatever time of day it is. I'm going to guess most people are doing mornings or afternoons because everyone always says they're listening while they run and most people don't run at night. If you do run at night, sorry if I'm excluding you. Um, all right, welcome to another episode of Chatting Grit. I am Sean as always and I am joined as always, that's lots of as always is by Toby. Toby, how you doing?
1: Yeah, doing good. The legs are a little bit fatigued but other than that, we're all good. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, good. Got my nutrition a little bit dialed in this week, so I'm not feeling the aches. And I've done a couple of hard leg based workouts, just testing my adductor out again, testing my my fitness again. Done some running, done lots of lots of lower body stuff already this week, and feeling relatively good, um, especially considering I had like a three hour tattoo on the side of my quad on Sunday, and so was then did. Yeah, three hours of tattooing on Sunday, and then I did 100 reverse lunges with a barbell, like a 30 kilo barbell on Monday. So, yeah, pleased that the nutrition and recovery stuff is working well um, because my legs don't hurt too bad. That is good to hear. Yeah, I feel like I'm rubbing that in a little bit. I'm like, I got tattooed and I've done hard leg workouts and I feel fine, as you're saying that yours are achy.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is definitely rubbing salt into the wounds. <laughs>
0: Um, All right, so today's episode, today's, this week's, this episode, I suppose, you can listen to it whenever you want. Um, What we're going to talk about is um, a little bit of like, we're going to do a series of these on different races, but the first one we want to do is the Spartan Sprint, and we're going to just discuss strategy and uh, like a few tips for racing a Spartan Sprint. Now, before we get going, as a disclaimer, This is based on a UK sprints that we've seen so far. It's not perfect. It's not exact. The idea is just a general of what we've seen in the UK over the last couple of years. Some strategies, some ways to attack and reserve things. Yeah, it's general. It's not specific. Specific planning will always be done when you've got a map and stuff like that. So this is just a general overview of what to do in a sprint situation. Um, Toby? What's a Spartan Sprint?
1: So a Spartan Sprint is what they advertise as a five kilometre and 20 obstacle race or course. Um, They won't always end up being bang on 5K. They could be over. They will never probably be under. And the obstacles as well, uh, as me and Sean were discussing just before this, you could end up with around 20, but you could end up with, say, two four-foot hurdles, which are just little walls. So they are a little bit vague with how tight they are to that, but that is just that rough overguide of a Spartan sprint race.
0: Cool. Yeah, I say, like, we we often talk about how (laughs) a Spartan 5K, because if you're lucky it'll only be five and a half more likely six six and a half i did one once it was nearly seven um which is rough when you're training for a 5k so obviously i mean really that leads into the first point is that when you are training for a sprint don't stop running at 5k in your training like be prepared for it to be six seven k i'd say train for seven and a half they're never realistically going to be that long but it's much better to be a bit over prepared than to get to 5k and then be like oh shit we've still got at least a kilometer to run so like i said we we are going to talk about the general uk racing so like as a rule in the uk they're very good at finding elevation where there isn't any which means that most of the courses Wales as the exclusion really this year are like lots and lots of up and down rolling hills to build elevation. Whereas the Wales race, a lot of the US races, a lot of the European races will send you up the side of a mountain. So the very, very first tip is to sort of, or the second tip, the first tip was to prepare more. I'm going to just call everything the first tip from now on. The, the second tip is to know where you're running like if you're going to Wales look at the Wales map look at what people ran the previous year like venues often repeat and although the courses won't be the same you'll know a rough idea of what you're getting into then gear your training around that so these are all the things you need to do really before you start we've done training podcasts we've done things like that so this is just a Get things sorted before. Very quick overview. So <laughs> I was about to say the first thing. Oh God. So on race day. The I am gonna say the first thing. It's not the first tip. The first thing you should be doing on race day is making sure you have all your gear prepared. So you should be getting up, having your nutrition, having your fuel, your liquids, getting ready. And that should all be tested before. So nothing new on race day is something I say to absolutely everyone, like coach them, not coach them. People that haven't even asked me, I'll tell them that. Like you just, you don't want to be like, oh, I saw Ryan Atkins taking this gel. That'll be really good. I'll buy some just in time for my ultra. And then you take the first one 45 minutes in and shit yourself. Like, that is a terrible way to start a race. Um, yeah, so that's sort of before. before All the before stuff is very quick and easy. Now, going up to the start line is really where we're going to get into the more technical aspects of it, the more detailed stuff. Um, go on, Toby, you talk about this bit.
1: So the the first thing I um, was... <laughs> in that sort of start pen area is a little bit more to do with the mindset side of things and how you think about it going into like the build up to the start of the race. If you've done any Spartan race before, um, you'll know But if you haven't, there's normally, I don't know, maybe three or four minutes where you're stood in the starting pen With everyone else that you're setting off with. And you've got Spartan Phil or anyone that's standing in in case that will go through their big speech, wish you luck, get you to test all the movement standards um, through that. But the main part in there is trying to stay focused on what your goal is and what your game plan is for that race.
0: Yeah, like getting into position as well is one that I always always forget about until it's too late. But if you're a fast runner, a fast starter, and you know that's where you want to be, getting into those first two rows is really important. Like if you're stood, I've made this mistake before, been 12 rows back and suddenly you're setting off with people significantly slower than you in front of you. And it's such a tight corral that you have to either take a big loop round or sort of run unevenly to get through them you have to end up sprinting harder than you'd want to just to pass people that are slightly too slow but not significantly so get yourself in the right position um and then like toby says like focus on what you're doing like listen to spartan Fields' speech if you haven't heard it before it can be quite motivating if it's your 33rd time hearing it like spartan feel is great but at that point you should just be thinking about what you want to do for your race um and then yeah so like uh, did you say about the burpees you did didn't you like you normally have to do one burpee before the start of the race i i'm sure the spartan guys would tell me off for this if it's super wet and muddy and gross. I always try and opt out of that first burpee because there is a good chance you're then going to be stood in the wet and cold for another 30 to 60 seconds waiting to hear someone tell you to get ready to go. Uh, like Wales last year is a good example. I straight up just said, I'm not doing that burpee. Everyone else got down on the floor. Not everyone else. Quite a lot of people didn't. A lot of people got down in the mud and the cold water did that burpee. By the time we set off running, people were shivering. <laughs> like it was horrible conditions. And, getting extra wet and muddy at the start i don't know that might be poor sportsmanship whatever else but i would say making yourself uncomfortable unnecessarily if you're looking at this as a sport is dumb um like if you're in an open wave if you're having fun take part in all of it that's really cool but if you're doing this seriously like if you're watching the olympics they don't make like Michael Phelps do a bomb before he's allowed to dive in and swim. Like it's not, it's just not what they do. Um, So I would say like, yeah, if it's sunny and it's nice out, whatever, it means nothing, but putting yourself in a bad condition to start seems, seems like a bad idea to me. Uh, Okay. And then three, two, one go. (laughs) So
1: that then takes us into the second part of that start line phase of it all, um, which Sean slightly touched on, which is your pace and how you're starting the race off. So when you go into a race, obviously you should have had a look at the course map. You should have decided a rough time that you were aiming to finish in or a rough pace that you want to aim to run at. For example, you are aiming to run it at a five-minute kilometer. If the lead pack, as you could call them, have set off at a three-minute kilometer, you want to tr- try to avoid getting sucked into that, because all that's going to happen is you're going to end up redlining within that first kilometer, and then be suffering for the rest of the race. Although it's a short race, it will have big impacts onto that as well.
0: Yeah, I say it's super, super hard to do. Easy to say. Like, if you know your fastest pace is four minutes and you find yourself running at three minutes, things are probably going to go bad for you. Like, I can't tell you the number of times I've seen people start the race, be in first place and finish 23rd because people just run and they get excited and they're they're hyped and they want to push themselves and it sometimes it pays off like if you're a really legit fast runner and you're just going out and holding that pace that's different but if yeah if you're running a 20 minute 5k on the road trying to run an 18 minute 5k in a sprint spartan trail thing is not going to happen and um, obviously i'm going to say just for, for whatever reason if anyone tells me i'm wrong we are obviously not aiming this podcast at the top elite runners. Yeah. Like if you're an elite athlete and you're trying to get tips for a first sprint race from this podcast, but don't ring me. We'll talk. You can, you can have some coaching. Uh, Okay. So yeah, so you've got your mindset, right? You've set off at your pace. So that's what's most important. Now for most Spartans we see in the UK, The first five obstacles are what I like to call nothing obstacles. Again, please don't tell me if you find them difficult. It's just what I call them. The reason I call them that is because they are four-foot walls. They're over, under, through. They're like maybe A-frame. They're all obstacles that are not failable. You Like every single person can do a four-foot wall. Every single person can do an over, under, through because like they don't require anything the the only one like an a-frame yes it's high but if you if you're competitively racing and you're too scared to go over an a-frame you i mean you can't like there's no other option if you can't go over the a-frame you're disqualified so this sort of is your choice to go back to open and you can go around it that's fine um like i'm one of those people i'm terrified of heights and i hate being at the top of a-frame but I have to do it. It is what it is. Um, So for those obstacles, what's really important is you get settled into your pace and you take them sensibly because they're not going to necessarily, like no one's winning a race by getting over a four foot wall the fastest. No one's winning a race on (laughs) over under through, but you can damn sure make your race harder. Like if you decide you're going to be that guy and vault over the walls and like head first dive through the through part of the over under through which i've seen like looks cool for instagram if you haven't broken your arm or missed and hit your head or caught your foot on the jump and fallen flat on your face and you've lost three minutes trying to work out where you are like like don't be a hero i guess is what i'm saying like do them sensibly and they are going to spike your heart rate like as much as they're nothing obstacles if you're running at a decent pace And then you suddenly stop, jump over a wall, and run again. It's going to push your heart rate up. So you need to be ready for that. Like you can't expect to hold a nice steady heart rate when you are doing unusual things. So yeah, that's, I mean, there's, I don't think there's much else to cover in that first section of running. Like obviously pay attention to terrain. If you're going up a hill, take it steady. If you're going down a hill, use it to push a little bit. Um yeah. I'd say don't fall off the balance wolves in the first 1K because you're overconfident. No one here has done that, but it's a really bad idea to just slip off one step on. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> yeah. And like the balance wolves are quite often an early obstacle, but it tends to be they're put in where there's a bit of flat ground. So if they are early, um, like don't go into them overconfident, which is what I did. I rushed. Because I was like, it's early, my legs feel fresh, I feel good, and just slipped off. It's stupid. Um yeah. So then next sort of it's hard because I don't want to like go through a sprint and be like, these obstacles are all in this order, because then the first time someone runs a race, they're gonna send me a message being like, the obstacles weren't in that order, which I know the obstacles are in a different order every time. We're just like I say, the general um so then uh in fact let's toby if you talk about the hill running and stuff and then we'll go into some more obstacle specific bits
1: yeah so hills (laughs) i'm possibly the the worst person as such to explain about hills living where there is possibly in in about four thousand miles um but for example Your running pace on a flat is five minute kilometre and you can maintain that for that 5k. If you are to then try to hold that same pace, even on like a slight incline, your heart rate is going to begin to elevate. Your legs will begin to fatigue that little bit more because it is that little bit more demanding than just flat running. So in terms of sort of pacing yourself through hills, it's just go by how you feel. Don't go, right, there's a hill, 1K, 2K, 3K. I'm going to run flats at 5K, the hills at 6K. If you feel absolutely trashed and it's a stupidly steep hill, you have got the option of swapping between running and what they call power hiking as well which is what some people would say walking but you'll also see if you watch some of the stupidly steeper climbs that power hiking can sometimes be more efficient and save your legs for if there's another flat coming up after it where you could make up 20 seconds and have lost 10 seconds on the climb and yeah. then downhills um, yeah downhills is let gravity be your friend if you can see the terrain if obviously it's say it's long grass or going through brambles or something like that don't just open up your legs and just go with the hill because you don't know what terrain's coming up if you've got A nice straight track that's a gravel track. You can see it's fairly flat. Whatever the hill wants you to run at pace-wise, aim just to sit in there. It will be less taxing on your legs and your heart rate won't spike from you just going with the hill. Your heart rate is going to be elevated more if you were to be trying to break, scared of running down the hill quickly.
0: Yeah, I say that's that is it. Uphills, do what you can do. Downhills, don't fight it. Like be, be safe, but but let it fly. I will say there is a really cool bit of footage from one of the championship races. I think of Ryan Atkins power hiking while other people are running, and he's making up ground and overtaking them. And then when they get to the flat and the downhill, he's like, "See ya!" Like my legs feel good. Yeah, like people can only run so fast up a hill. And so losing 10 seconds on a hill, like Toby said, but to have fresh legs coming down the other side, you're going to make those 10 seconds up so fast. They're going to be worthless if the person that's gone up the hill slightly faster is burnt out. Um, But I will say as well, just when you are running downhill, your quads get used a lot more than you're expecting. So if you've got weak, undertrained quads, be ready for your legs to start to hurt. Okay, so that's sort of like, and Toby touched on terrain as well there. Like, obviously, if you're in sand, the running's different. If you're in mud, the running's different. If it's dry and compact gravel, it's different. Like, you have to judge your speeds on that. But the race speed will be judged on that overall. So it doesn't make too much of a difference. Like, if I'm running on hard gravel, Toby is running on hard gravel. If I'm, I'm running on running. wet, muddy slush and Toby is running on hard gravel, we're at different races. So it's not as important because your competitors will be experiencing the same as you. So like I said to a lot of people before we race, which is really it's just a good free mindset tip here. If it's shit, it's shit for everyone. Like if you wake up and the weather's shit and it's been raining for four days, It's like that for absolutely every person. Every single person has slippery monkey bars. Every single person is going to be running in the mud. It's not like you're just having to do that. So people tend to get into that mindset of, oh, it's really shit. I might slip off a monkey bar because it's wet today. That goes to everyone. So it doesn't matter. Try not to worry about it. Easier said than done, but pointless worrying about it because you can't stop the rain. Um, Okay, so... As we're talking about sprints more specifically, obviously you can run. You should be pacing to run faster on a sprint. So you should be slowing down only on the hills you need to. You should be really going for the downhills, really going for the flats, because it's a shorter course, it's a faster running course. When you come into obstacles, it feels incredibly tempting to run in at 100%, jump on, get across. I cannot tell you how often that goes wrong (laughs) unless you are one of the top guys in the world and you're or the top guys in the sport and you're super practiced and super efficient. And even then you'll see what part of what I'm going to say, like you should be taking a couple of seconds to prepare for every obstacle. How you do that varies on your fitness. So like the top guys, what they'll do is if they're running four minute kilometers, as they come into that last 30, 40 meters up to an obstacle. They'll slow that pace down and you see them almost come to like a jogging run because they use that time to catch their breath. So then when they get to the obstacle, they can jump on and get going. So if you're good, you're confident, it's dry, everything feels great. It's an obstacle that you never miss. Perfect. I still always say, get to that obstacle. We'll use monkey bars as the example because it's it's the most common one. Everyone knows what monkey bars is. You step up onto that stool, reach up, hand on the first monkey bar, three deep breaths, and then you go. If you need five, take five. If you need 10, take 10. You have to know yourself. But there's those three breaths are going to take you four seconds. Four seconds of breathing to finish an obstacle is much better than no seconds of breathing to do three minutes of burpees. So as far as obstacles go, come into them, start to slow down just before to start to bring your heart rate down, take the breaths you need and then get going. Obviously, if you're standing at an obstacle for five minutes, you'd have been better off doing the burpees a lot of the time. Um which which is fine. Like if you know that you need five minutes to recover before you can do monkey bars, then actually just take two seconds and then try. Because if you're not going to be ready in the two seconds, sorry, if you're not going to be ready until five minutes, you may as well give it a shot and not waste any time and get to the burpees. Like, like if there's something you're not confident in, like you know you've got no hope of completing it, why waste time trying to rest and complete it? Just fail it and get on with the penalty. I've got a, a friend who I used to train in Singapore who there was a couple of obstacles she was confident she couldn't do. And we were working on them, but every time a race rolled around and we weren't ready for them, but we would always implement really high rep, fast burpees in her workouts. So she knew that if she couldn't do an obstacle, she could damn well do 30 hard, fast burpees and get back to running. And that's part of the strategy of racing. Like if you always miss your spear and that's the only obstacle you're not confident in, get confident in doing 30 hard burpees near the end and running hard straight after like, that's going to save you way more time than spending six months throwing a spear to have never practiced burpees. Like, if you can't hit a spear, you can't hit a spear sometimes. It sucks, but it is what it is. Um, Yeah, so take the rest you need, get on the obstacle, and complete it, hopefully. If you don't complete it, it's burpees.
1: Or there is sometimes penalty loops. Which they've loop. now started to bring in. Um, Which,
0: just before we carry on, we are, we've are we said this a couple of times, we are going to do an episode on penalties. Penalty loops are much better. You can't cheat a penalty loop. <laughs> you have to run the loop. It is, it's much better. But yeah, sorry, Toby, carry on.
1: So, a um, little bit more on obstacles. So we've done, obviously, one of the like the failable options for Bunky Bars, quite a well-known obstacle Um, then a little bit into the weight carries as well so for example I know the very first time I've done a Spartan race I could not move very quickly whatsoever carrying the weight so for me my strategy was well I can just go into the sandbag running harder And then I would have to walk because I just couldn't carry the weight and get my legs ticking. So that was then me, whilst under the load, taking the opportunity to get my breath back, recover the heart rate a little bit, ready to then go out the other side. Obviously, I know some people, um, for example, Sean, he has always said Carrying one of those sandbags is like him running with a cup of tea in his hand. Um, It doesn't affect him because of his build. He's got the build, the strength behind him that trucking a sandbag on his shoulder, he can basically keep a normal running stride and move more efficiently, which means obviously then not having to sell out a little bit more going into it and just can maintain a more consistent pace throughout.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love a carry. Like um, Toby says, like it's about knowing where your strengths and weaknesses are a lot with stuff like carries. Like if I say I'm, I'm working with Toby, we're planning a, a race and we know that there's a really nice long downhill and flat that comes into a carry. What I'm saying to Toby is rather than try and save five seconds by pushing the carry and dying fucking hammer that downhill on the flat and trudge the sandbag because realistically if you're going to trudge the sandbag for two minutes and run the downhill for two minutes fine but if you're going to run the downhill for one minute 30 and that means you only trudge the sandbag for two minutes and five seconds that's a bonus 25 seconds there so it's all about weighing up where you can find the most efficient time. It's like we talked about in the hyrox podcast. Knocking four seconds off your erg takes a lot of effort to then add a minute to your running. It's the same for the carries. Trying to knock a few seconds off a hard carry is a lot of effort when actually you could just run a bit faster before and after, and that's much easier. Like The reason I'm able to keep a more steady pace is because my running into it is damn slow my running out of it is damn slow my running is damn slow so like the sandbag doesn't affect that because i'm slow everywhere and that's fine like that consistency helps me um yeah and again if you need to break on carries break on carries i would say at this point shy of the sandbag in wales which was horrendous you should if you are at a competitive level you should maybe only be breaking once on a heavy and difficult carry. But realistically, you should be able to do carries unbroken. Even if it's hard to do unbroken, stopping isn't like, there's no progress in stopping. Slow forwards progress is better than stopping, putting everything down, getting a couple of breaths. Like you've got to be sensible with it. stopping, if you're in a competitive category, stopping is not going to help you. It's only going to hurt you. Whereas moving a few extra paces, even if they're slow and laborious, it's still moving. Um, Okay, so that's sort of obstacles. uh, And then we briefly touched on what happens when you fail obstacles, but we'll go into that a little bit more. Um, So penalty loops first. Obviously, if you've got a penalty loop on an obstacle, basically just consider it starting of running again. Like don't do the penalty loop faster or slower or anything else then you would just run, just be like, okay, I'm running again now. Like sometimes they're atrocious. Like there was one for Olympus, which was down and up a long hill. Uh, I can't remember what race that was at, but that was pretty grim. Um, and then sometimes they're just little back and forwards for a couple of hundred meters for like Z-Wall in Wales was quite a nice, just a circle if you fell off Z-Wall. Um, it was long. It was like four or 500 meters, but in fact, it might've been more than that. It might've been 600 meters. It was a couple of minutes of running. Um, which is a nice penalty, but you just run again, like, there's not a lot to be said on that, really. Burpees are a different matter, really. I we won't talk loads about it, but I personally think at this point, if Spartan aren't paying officials for every station, or at least having strict referees at every station, the burpee is not a good penalty anymore but while we're going to continue to see it you should be training your burpees you should be training them harder than you think you're ever going to need to do them you should be doing more than you think you're ever going to need to do because if you have to do some you want them to feel okay you don't want them to be gross like we say like if it's the first time you're doing something it's going to be worse um But yeah, like do your burpees, do them at a pace that you're comfortable with and that you're able to run out on. So like um, me and Toby were talking about burpees before we started recording and I was saying like, actually, if it takes you three minutes to do burpees and then you go straight back to running your best pace, do your burpees for three minutes. Like if to do your burpees in two and a half minutes, you're going to struggle to start running again, much like everything else. You're going to lose more time than you've made up for the effort level. So set a steady pace that can get you going comfortably on your burpees. With that being said, a big problem that I've had and that lots of people I know have had is that when they found an obstacle, when they have to do burpees, the mindset falls apart. You go, I failed. This is shit. I don't want to do burpees. 30 burpees is hard. Fuck. And also a lot of the time in the age group, that has just skipped his burpees that guy's done eight burpees and run off that guy failed the obstacle and just had another go like you've got all of those mindset battles going on all at once and this is like i said it's a it's something to try and implement but it is very difficult in the heat of the moment to do you just have to do the burpees and get going like you might want to be screaming at someone you might want to throw a tantrum like I've done in the past. Like I I tell this story quite a lot. I trod on a rope and missed my spear when I was winning probably the best race I've ever run and then spent seven or eight minutes doing the 30 burpees because I just gave up. I just, I'd ran a perfect race for 4.3 K, missed my spear and just gave up. And actually I ended up still like, if I'd not, if I'd been sensible, I probably still could have come top three, but I didn't. And so actually the mindset falling apart there cost me way more than the burpees should have done. So there's things you can't do anything about people cheating. You can try and report them. You've just got to hope for the best there. Um, the problem. Yeah, there's, that's always going to happen. That's there's not a lot we can do about that. We'll write the wrongs of the world on a penalty episode soon, but you just have to sort of, report the people you can especially if you know them if you're in one of the smaller categories like um the the particularly the women's categories or the older men's categories have a much smaller field so when you see people cheating in those categories it's super important to report them because i mean it's super important in every category but realistically like there's a hundred people racing in my category I'm coming outside of the top of 30 or 40. Yes, I don't want someone to cheat and beat me. It pisses me off. There was a guy I watched at Wales fall off Olympus as I was finishing my penalty loop. He just looked me in the eyes as I said, why aren't you doing your penalty loop? And ran away. Like, it's going to happen. But at that point, do I really care if I'm 39th or 38th? No. Like, that guy's going home knowing he's a cheat and he doesn't deserve his medal. It is what it is. But... If you're in a category where you're competitive or where you know there is competition, those are the people to report. Like, those are the ones you've got to take the time to go and find and say, this ain't on. Because, yeah, like, that. it just, it's so prevalent in age group at the moment. And uh, when we were, what was the one we marshaled, Toby? What race was that? Oh. um... Where we're at the seven foot wall.
1: That was the the one after Scotland,
0: London South. Uh,
1: yeah, something like that. Was it it's Pippingford? One like, yes, because that's European this year.
0: Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Pippingford Park. Yeah, we watched the the woman that won the fifty to fifty five or the fifty five to sixty. I can't remember exactly. Couldn't do the seven foot wall, despite three of us telling her how to do the seven foot wall, refusing to do the wall walked round the side of the wall saying i'm too old to listen to what people are telling me and then won that race and came like top 3 in the series or possibly won the series as well and it's because it, like it wasn't reported like we reported it but there was no no proof basically other than four of us watching her do it Which wasn't enough proof. Anyway, I'm getting off track because it really pisses me off so much that I can't help myself but talk about it. Um, but you're gonna see that happen. You've got to report it, but you've got to, more importantly, for yourself, you've got to just put that out of your mind and get back to your race. That's where we were going with that before I got annoyed at all the cheats that happened in Spartan. Um, yeah. So mentally, as you can see, easier said than done. I'm still bitter about it now, months later you've got to get through your burpees, get back to running because realistically, if that person's failing obstacles and cheating, hopefully you'll catch them in a sprint. It's a little bit harder. You're going to be pushing harder. You're going to be running faster. There's less distance, but you just got to do you at that point. And hopefully they'll get the punishment they deserve. And you will have done everything right. Um, One tip, it goes for all races, but when If you know the rules, so if you've read the rule book before and you are 100% certain on a rule and a referee makes the wrong call, ignore them and find out at the end. Now, this doesn't go for, I think I was right. I think blah, 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 blah. So the example I always use is um, when we race somewhere in Asia, I can't even remember where it was. Jesse was doing Twister. Now, on Twister, you can touch the horizontal trusses. So you can touch the handles that move down the middle on the bar. You can't touch the actual bar, but you can touch the horizontal trusses as you transition. Her referee told her she couldn't. She got off, did the 30 burpees despite knowing she was right, and then ran on, got to the end and complained about it. And they said, yes, you were right, but you've done the burpees. There's nothing we can do about that. Now, what they've always said is that if you are 100% right in a situation like that, Ignore the referee. You've got a chance at the end to explain. If you're wrong, you've got to take your lumps there. But if you are, so, if, if it's something that you are definitely right and you know the referee is wrong, that's okay. If you are not 110%, listen to your referee. <laughs> if you've just decided that your mate down the pub said you could do it, or some bloke said you could do it, Don't do it. Even sometimes if the referee says you can do something and you know that's wrong, don't do it because you best believe if I see Toby using the wrong bit of an obstacle and he's going to come third and I'm going to come fourth, the argument at the end that the referee said he could is not going to fly. If you do something that's cheating, you're cheating whether some bloke that doesn't know the rules has told you that or not. So learn the rules yourself. And then stick to what you know. Um, Okay, so then where are we at? Obstacles, burpees, um, finish line sprints. Yes. Go on, Toby. When should you start sprinting? Is it one metre from the start line?
1: Um, No, it's from 10 lines behind the start line
0: all the way to the finish. That's it podcast over we actually could have just recorded that there and then not spoken anything else just start at the back sprint flat out your win um well
1: it is all completely course dependent again so for example um the midlands race from last year which is the main one i can remember you had atlas carry was towards the end i would say it was possibly Six 700 metres from the end you had maybe 400 metres of uphill running, turned a corner, you then had Zed wall, a 10 metre dash to spear throw, a 10 metre dash into Zed wall um, inverted wall and then about a 50 metre to the finish line so for example with that one Sean, where would you start your sprint from?
0: you i mean that doesn't really lend itself to sprinting but it's that's when the uphill you're not walking that uphill like you may as well sell your soul on that uphill because there's not much left to do afterwards um your real sprints would be into like if you're going to do your burpees too fast on your spear throw there what's it going to matter like that's where you've got a full send that's i say not the ideal sprinting finish there but yeah it's uh oh, You've chosen a really difficult one to do there. But basically about 10% of the race is where you want to start pushing because when you're through 90% and you've only got 10% left, this is 10% of the supposed 5k obviously. If you're at, if you've looked at your map and you've got 500 meters left of your four, of your 5k and you know very well that you've not got 500 meters left, don't start sprinting there. Start sprinting as you get to like that three or four obstacle before the end mark. Look for those opportunities on the map before. But as a general rule, about 10% of the end of the race, you can sell your soul. And it's not going to impact much because there's not going to be much left. So, like I, I'm trying to think of a good course to use as an example. There haven't been that many this year. Uh I suppose Scotland. Scotland oh, sprints.
1: That's exactly what I was going to suggest.
0: Yeah. Like, although it had the vertical cargo, which got in the way, actually, it wasn't too bad. You could really run... So spear throw, would you say 300 metres, 400 metres? Um, I'd say 300 max. Yeah. Okay. So about 300 metres, you come in, you did um, Hercquist. Hercule's hoist. Yeah. And then you come down a hill into the spear throw. Now, the only reason I wouldn't say start sprinting from the Hercquist there is because... The spear throw is still far enough from the finish with enough obstacles between you and the finish that you don't want to have to full send any burpees. So you may as well like push into spear throw, but be ready to recover, hit your spear, run out. Um, Or if you've never stuck a spear in your life and you know you're probably going to miss it, start your damn sprint because if you're going to miss it anyway, you may as well miss it faster. Um, But yeah, anyway, hit your spear there. And that is when I would say you just into sixth gear and you go you sprint at that cargo net you climb it as fast as you can off sprint over the inverted wall next yeah yep. sprint again fire jump finish so you had about 300 meters of there of really fast speed running to get the best time possible and that's where you're not resting for your obstacles like you're not failing a cargo net you're not failing an inverted wall you just want to run get up and over them and that's where like if you bump your foot, if you, if all the things I said about the four foot walls at the start, the opposite applies at the end. Fucking take the risk there. Cause what's going to happen? Like if you lose two seconds, two meters from the finish line, at least you've tried. If you trip there, yeah, you might hurt your hands, but you can get up and limp over, whatever. You haven't fucked your whole race up at the start. So that last section, that last three, four, 500 meters, whatever, you go. Now, again, like if we're talking about UK races, Wales, the very end of the Wales race, it was wet, it was muddy, it was horrible. But then there was monkey bars, maybe 30 metres of running, inverted wall fire jump. So there's nowhere to get that sprint in there. But where there was before the monkey bars, you had hurtquist, you had Z-Wall, and you had quite a long run downhill. So for me, where I turned up my speed there was I powered down that hill, I did Z-Wall quickly. I did Herkhoist quickly and I used my energy there. And then I ran into monkey bars. I slipped off monkey bars. I saw lots of people slip off monkey bars that day. They were covered in mud and they were soaking wet by that point. It was a nightmare. Like I've seen, I saw some of like guys I'd never expect to fail monkey bars, fall off monkey bars because it was so bad. But because so many people were falling off, you had to make that time up earlier because you knew you were going to have to do your burpees. And again, that's a good time to Full send the burpees because you've got less than 50 meters left. Like, yes, you might not be up to full speed as soon as you stand up, but you're probably never going to get up to full speed in that shorter distance. So, that is when I would sprint. And again, it's going to be different at every race. It's going to be different depending on who you are as an athlete, on how you run. Like, if you've got 4K in and you're like, I feel so fresh, start your power in there. Like, go for it. Like, <laughs> it's all about playing around with who you are and how you race um, which is the case generally like you've got to know who you are as a racer as well like i say, these are the general tips for giving it a go things people might have not thought about things people might just be looking for things to implement differently um, but yeah oh one thing i didn't say sprint nutrition a 5k sprint realistically one gel have a gel. well two gels one on the start line and then depending on the terrain you should maybe have one more gel at about the 30 minute mark just to make sure your body stays fueled for that last sprint if at the 30 minute mark you're only 100 meters from the end obviously you don't need to like if you know you're coming to the last three obstacles four obstacles and the last few hundred meters of running don't worry about the gel but some sprint courses like are going to, well, some people are going to take 45 minutes, an hour on a sprint course. Keep fueled, but don't overfuel. If you're in a competitive race and the sprint is taking you an hour plus, obviously, dependent on the course, there are some courses where that is completely expected. But like, if you're having to fuel two or three times, you've there's a lot of training that needs to be done before. So you don't have to do that. Like, and I'm like, I'm talking about myself here. I've, I regularly go over an hour in sprints at the moment because I'm just not trained up for it. Like that happens. But if we're looking at the top 10 competitive people here, they should be maybe fueling once, I would say for most people, they shouldn't be fueling at all, really, and should just be having a sip of water, at a water station. But You can go half an hour without a drink if you need to. Like, if there's no water stations, don't carry anything. Just do it. Um, Yeah, and then I say, only other thing to think is get a cool as fuck fire jump. Make sure you cross the finish line. Get your medal. Get a beer or a water or a milkshake or whatever you want to drink. Go back and cheer some people on. Like yeah i understand not everyone can stay all the time but like if you've got an hour or two to hang out go cheer some people on like go be supportive go be the cool bit about this community and support other people Um, have we missed anything toby is there anything that we said we'd say or that you thought about while we've been going um
1: i think that was everything that we had planned on going through
0: All right, so brief recap, sprint race, look at the map, plan it out, start line, set off at your own pace, don't get caught in, don't be a hero. Take the obstacles at your pace, look at where you can speed up and slow down, take those extra breaths, the obstacles to make sure you don't fail them. If you have to do burpees, do them steadily so you can get back to running. Start a push for the finish line about four or 500 meters before the end. Cool ass fire jump photo, Cheer some people on if you've listened to the whole episode and heard that part you can just sound bite that bit and send it to all your friends so they haven't got to listen to us talk for 40 minutes (laughs) yeah yeah oh one thing we didn't talk about that's not particularly important but i think it's a cool way to end the episode anyway is we're gonna do three three songs to get you pumped up before a race so while you think about those three songs toby because i'm sure your choices are going to be shit because you're only like 22 uh what i'll say is like the spartan arenas the arenas arenas the field you stand in before a spartan there's normally music playing it's obviously not always going to be to your taste so especially for me not especially for me but i know that i'm never going to enjoy the music they're playing So I have a playlist that I select a couple of tracks from to listen to before I start racing to get myself in the right mindset. For some people, that might not be important. For some people, they might not have tried it and you might find how important it is. For me, I always listen to three tracks at least, sometimes more depending on how the race is, how many friends I've got around to get me going so that I start my race feeling good. All right. Have you thought of your three yet, Toby? No, I haven't.
1: Have you got um, any? No. You've stumped me. You've put me on the spot and I now literally can't think of any song titles. So what I will do is I will have to comment them onto the Instagram post because yeah, my brain Wonderful. has gone dead.
0: Okay. Well, I've got three. Um I've probably got a hundred I could go through, but I'll choose three. Um, and then what we'll do is we'll uh, maybe put a poll up or maybe just put a post up and everyone can write a couple and then we'll make a, a, a playlist of them, make it public on Spotify. And you can go through and I mean, most people aren't going to listen to it before a race because it's going to have a mixture of all sorts of shit they don't want to listen to on. But um, it might be cool. So I I've just got my phone open so I get my my song titles and bands right and don't sound like an idiot. So I, I listened to uh, a song called "Weight of the World" by More Than Life, which is like a UK slow melodic hardcore type song, um, just hardcore, I guess. Then I listened to uh, "When It Rains" by a band, another British band called Silent Screams, um, which is like deathcore. In fact, it's just heavy. Like there's there's a very uh, Steady line of what I like to listen to before I start working out, Uh, and then I listen to uh, a song by a guy called Kenny Hoopla, and it's called. Let me just make sure I say it right. It's called "How Will I Rest in Peace If I Am Buried by the Highway." So that one's less heavy. He's like new school, like pop punky emo rap, Um, but those those three tracks like get me going before a race always. There's loads of others like. track called there ain't no crown by a band called galleons there's loads um yeah but those those three really are the, my best three um toby listens to probably the theme tune for barney the theme tune for power rangers and a 45 minute britney spears medley i've seen in spotify i know <laughs> lady gaga actually Oh, my. Oh, yeah. Lady Gaga, because Britney Spears is uh, about 10 years too old for you. (laughs) Okay, cool. Yeah. So I say thanks as always for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Hope it was informative or at least interesting or amusing with our terrible song choices at the end or no song choices. If you're Toby, Uh, like I say, we'll put this episode out. We're recording this Wednesday night. It'll go out Friday morning uh, unless I mess up, which is what I did this week and didn't press publish. So it just sat. I thought it was up and it was never up. Um, good. You can tell I'm a really professional uh, tech guy. I'm busy. I do too many jobs at the moment. Sometimes I just mess up things. Um, but yeah, we'll put this out. We will put a post up. You can tell us what you want to listen to before you race and tell us if we've been stupid or missed anything. And like I say, if you've ever got any suggestions, drop us a message and we'll, we'll do an episode on it. We'll, we'll happily talk about anything um yeah that's all from me toby anything
1: enjoy your race is all i would say
0: yeah i thought you meant me then not generally i was like all right thanks for listening everyone see you later
1: see ya